Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. Whether you hope to get married someday or you've already tied the knot, discover what the vow can mean for your future. The podcast starts right now. There is an attack taking place in the body of Christ today. It's not just happening in the body of Christ, it's happening in our world. We're looking at a world right now that uh, is receiving all kinds of signals of what marriage, what relationships, and what everything that we're experiencing on a day-to-day basis is supposed to look like. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a thought. Today, I want to take a few moments and intro what I believe is to be a very important series in everyone in this room's life. Whether you are married or not, let me tell you right now, this series is going to speak to your life. Whether you are single, married, divorced, or a teenager trying to figure out what even marriage is, this series right here is going to speak volumes to the foundation of what is existing or what should be existing in your life. Are you following me? See, so today we're looking at this brand new series called The Vow. The Vow. Now, I don't know how many of you are sports fans, and I'm an avid sports fan, and I don't know how many of you have ever been to a, a, some sort of sporting event. How many have ever seen that foam finger? How many know about the foam finger, right? And so we're number one. We're number one until you lose. Then you're like, we're number two. And depending on how horribly you lose, you're like, we're not even in the picture. They don't have a foam finger for that. But I remember as a kid, I'm like, I can't wait to go to a sporting event, not just to see the event, but to get a finger. A big finger. And then when you put it on, you're like, this thing's worth like 12 cents. How do they charge me $7? But the point is made when you get the finger and you, uh, the, the foam finger. The point is made when you get the foam finger that, stop, you're not helping. Just we're number, I'm number one. <laughs> Stop, Jason. You're not helping. So, focus, Dino-san. Um, you're trying to make a point, and that point is with a foam point. This series, The Vow, has really spoken to me as I prepared for it, and uh I prepared not just one week. I'm into week three already. Like, we're past week two into week three. And I want to talk to you the next few weeks about a few things that are, that's very important. And again, you don't tune it out because you're like, and I've had this, a couple of people contact me privately and say, do I really need to be at this series because this, that, and the other reason? I, I want to tell you that there is a, there is a wealth of opportunity to learn something these next few weeks. And I want to talk to you about the, pro- the, the priority 
in which our relationships will blossom, the pursuit that must take place, and the purity that will allow your relationship to thrive. The priority, the pursuit, and the purity. As your pastor, I desire to help you move into a better position and get a better handle on relationships all around, romantic or otherwise. And this will apply largely to married couples in a lot of ways, but I believe that there are personal things that are going to take place in your heart that whether you're married or not, reflect back to look and try to figure out where something went wrong. How many ever were, found yourself in a position in life and you said, how did I get here? You ever thought to yourself, how did I get here? What, what brought me to this place? And this is where we're trying to get to. And, and you may say, well, you know, this, how is this going to help my spiritual life? Trust me. If you get some of these principles right, trust me, your spirit man will thrive. Your soul will thrive. Your spirit will thrive. And, and you know, marriage was seen very differently when you were kids, I bet, right? If you, were a young, if you were a young girl, right? For those of you that, when you were little girls, ladies, if you were, you know, when you were a kid, you dreamed of being uh, married and you thought about your wedding layout. Right? Some of you thought about the dress. You already imagined what that looked like. You already had the perfect house, the 2.5 kids, the white picket fence. Right? The dog, what that dog looked like, the collar he had, the wedding dress. Everything was thought out when you were young. Some of you girls are like that. You, you, you had that all planned out. Some of you. If you were a dude, you had a very different idea about the wedding day, you dream more of the wedding night. And some of us, you know, we saw it differently as a kid. Your, the idea of romance and marriage, you dreamed of, hey, having sex twice a day, that was it. That was the focus. Let's get to that point. And some that have been married for a long time, well, you're still dreaming for twice a day. Vow. You saw it very differently when you were a kid. And now reality hits, and you're like, it's truly not about this. There's so much more underlining work that has to take place to get here. To have a vow that makes sense. Let me tell you something. The world has taken a turn for the worse and trying to sort out what relationships supposed to look like. It is poked and prodded and absolutely pulled away from what God intended for marriages today. I get the awesome privilege of, of, of counseling any couple that I marry. I counsel them. A premarital is required. And there are a number of reasons why I do that. And then the number one reason that we tackle premarital sessions with any couple we marry is because of the title of this morning's message. Who's number one? Who's number one? I want to talk to you about the power of priority. I want to tell you that this series is simple, but it is far from easy. 
I want you to know that I realize that in this crowd and listening to me today, there are people that come from all walks of life. You come from all different situations. From the youngest of marrieds to the oldest ones that have been married a long time to those who have been divorced to those who don't even want anything to do with anyone, to those who they'll just grab a hold of anyone that gives them attention. There's a lot of different backgrounds. And no matter where you are in this room, I want to tell you, there are going to be plenty of takeaways in this series for every one of you. See, most marriages fail because they made their number two their number one. Most marriages fail because they made their number two they're number one. And I realize that this series will categorize some of you, and some of you will feel like you're categorized. Trust me, I'm not trying to categorize anybody, but identifying where we are is an essential part of moving forward. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you are, right? You, you, if you pop online and you want to go somewhere, that's going to ask you where you are. It's going to have to assess your current position and if, in order for it to tell you where to go. And there's no way around it, friend. I can't tell you it's going to take two hours versus 20 minutes if I don't know where you are. Friend, you're not going to know how to get to that place where the vow means something if you don't know where you are. You see, I realize that in the right context, everyone has something that they have to say to themselves today. If you hope to marry one day and you're not, you're single, you hope to marry one day. This is the sort of statement that you need to make. Declare this, I will seek the one while I prepare for the two. I will seek the one, I will seek number one while I prepare for number two. If you're married today, declare this, I will love my number two, my spouse, better because I have a relationship with number one. I will love my spouse, my number two, better because I have connected with my number one. You say, well, Pastor Tony, how, how is that true? My wife and I were talking about something like this. We were talking about this even last night over wonderful dessert. We were sitting there and we had a, one of those date nights. How many know you need to date each other even after you get married? Okay, in case you didn't know that, do that. Okay, so we were talking about this, and my wife and I were talking. She said something that just struck me. I said, I need to use that. You know that, right? She said, yes, go ahead. The only way we could truly know how to love our number two is to have an encounter with the one. The only way to know how to love number two unconditionally, right, is to understand number one. That love that God shows us displays how we're supposed to love our spouse, our significant other. The Bible clearly states to love your spouse as Christ loves the church. How do you know that if you don't have a relationship with God? How do you know that if you don't have a personal relationship with your Lord and your Savior? You can't possibly do that. I also want to offer to you a tip. For those of you that have been married, maybe you're even married with bonus. Um, excuse me, married with children. All right, you got bonus, offspring, right? For those of you that are married with children, let me give you a tip that I've learned 
I can speak to this, 18 years married myself. Um, do not be child-centered in your marriage. Do not be child-centered in your marriage. What am I talking about? I'm saying to you that this is an absolute game-changer. What happens with many couples and why the vow doesn't seem to make sense anymore is because for so many years, you've only paid attention, you've put all of your attention into your children for years and years. And when you go to graduation, they graduate. You send them off and you say, we're so proud of them. Hopefully they move out. If they're millennial, that's in question. I don't know. But eventually they move out. Don't get upset, chill. When they move out or whenever they move on in their lives, then you look at each other and you go, Hi, my name is. Because you've been so focused on them that you forgot who that person is. Friend, this is, I, I say it sort of casually, but... But I'm telling you right now that marriages have failed at that point because of the empty nest. And now I don't know you well enough to spend time with you. In fact, I can't really spend an exorbitant amount of time with you because I never did that. And I don't know how to 18 years later. 20 years later. Why? Because we've been so child-centered. We focused all our energy in our kids that now, A, you don't know how to love each other, and B, your kids don't know what a healthy marriage looks like because they were the center of everything. You know what I find very important? When my kids do something that I find disrespects my bride, my wife, I tell them, that's not just your mother, that is my wife. And you will hold better respect than what you're carrying right now. That lets my child know that they're not the center of the universe, that my wife takes precedence. And some people don't like this idea, but I subscribe to it wholeheartedly because I have a covenant with my bride. I have a covenant with my wife. I don't have a covenant with my children. I have a promise that I will love them. And I promise I will care for them. I will feed them. I will take care of them. But when they become the focus over my, the one that I have a covenant with, there's a mixed priority and mixed signals are sent out so I tell my kids oftentimes you will respect my wife your mother and my wife better than that that is not okay with me one of the best ways that you can bless your kids is to love your spouse even if they're not lovable come on somebody don't look at your spouse right don't look at them don't do it don't even look in their direction one of the best ways you can bless your kids is to love your spouse. That's how you, the way you can love them is to show them and guide them by example. Because most things are caught, not bought. Your child is catching how to love their spouse. You know what I realized? My little daughter, seven years old, is catching how I respect her mother. Because guess what? There's a good chance she's going to look for a man like her daddy. And if I treat my wife like dirt, 
she will think that is normal and then you have to deal with the repercussions and she will live for it the rest of her life. Friends, I'm telling you something right now. If you live this thing right now, they will reap the benefits later. So what you allow in moderation, your children will do in excess. Give it, and it will be given. One day, the kids will grow up, and your investment in them will stop. And if you don't have a strong marriage foundation, they're going to look for what you are right now. They're going to look at what you were and say that's acceptable. It's difficult for me to understand what a healthy marriage looked like losing my dad at a young age. For various reasons, I don't want to mimic things he did. But I found hints of it in my life early in my marriage. I thought it's my way or the highway. You're going to listen to me. I'm going to tell you how it is. And we're going to go that direction. That don't fly. That just doesn't fly. You can say you're man enough. You can say all you want. But this is not, that is not the biblical aspect of what a vow looks like. Children are a blessing. But if you prioritize your marriage above your children, you will bless your children for that. But if you prioritize your children over your marriage, there is hell on the way you will go through things in your life that you will say what did I miss what did I do how did I get here if you want your kids to succeed show them what that looks like show them what love looks like and if you're in a position this morning where you're saying mine has slipped away mine is no longer there and I understand there are people all over, listening online, watching online, and in here as a part of our Freedom family. Trust me when I tell you, I realize the hurt that is in this room today. Whether it's from a broken relationship, broken marriage, and your spouse did something that, was, that broke your vows, or maybe you're in another marriage, and that one's still getting rocky. Let me tell you something. Come prepared to allow God to mend your heart. Are you hearing me? As your pastor, come being prepared for God to mend those areas of your life that are difficult to embrace right now. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept that it is normal, but you do have to accept that that's where you are. You have to say it's okay, but it's where you are. And one thing that me and my wife have done from day one, and listen, everybody has a different perspective, but even from the cradle, we did everything we can to let our kids sleep in their own beds. Now listen, I know that there are various beliefs and how to parent. I'm not going to tell you how to parent, but I'm going to tell you my experience that we kept our bedroom as our oasis. Let me tell you why. From day one, I've watched couples that have allowed their child constantly into their bed, and it has become a wedge, a beautiful, cute, dimple-faced wedge. 
no matter how gorgeous or fantastic your children are, and my children are, they're a blessing. They really are. But we from day one decided this is our, our bedroom is our oasis. And they know, A, to knock on the door before they're allowed to come in. And B, they can't sleep with us. They just can't. Again, I'm not telling you how to parent. I'm telling you my experience because I have the microphone and you don't. Right? So when you get a microphone, you can say whatever you want. Right? But I'm telling you that for us, we found that that bedroom oasis was time for me and my wife. When we close that door, it's me and her. Whether we're chatting or not, watching TV or not, whatever's, they know that's mommy and daddy's space. And I have to knock and I have to ask. I can't barge in and we correct them every single time they do. And they do it. They slip in sometimes once in a while and we say, did you knock? They turn around, they walk, and they knock, and I say, who is it? <laughs> Just to get them. <laughs> you laugh, but it happens every week. I'm like, who is it? It's me. I'm sorry, I'm busy right now. Come back later. But dad, I need to, later. Why? Because I need to be able to have time with my wife. That's a very important thing. That vow, the stronger the vow is, the stronger my relationship with my children will be. Not only that, the stronger their relationship and the higher priority they put in what they see in their spouse. And those elements are very important. So our bedroom is a haven and never in history did God ever claim that your spouse all your kids come before him. I need to not, you know, and forgive me, but, but I'm just going to talk about this for just a moment. But sometimes people say we need family time and so we're not going to do church for the next couple of weeks. And I'm saying, how much time do you think we do here? I mean, it's two shows worth of service. Can I tell you something? The strength will come when you get right with number one. That you strengthen your relationship with number two. And that strengthened relationship with number two will then categorize your children's lives and help them see what priorities look like. What you model in moderation, your children will do in excess. When your spouse or family come first, the best version of you is inadequate to represent God effectively. Did you get that? I'll say it again. When your spouse or your family come first before God, the best version of you is inadequate to represent God effectively. That's heavy. That's 18 years of marriage speaking. I realize that I cannot put my kids or my wife before my God. Because them, as wonderful as they are, they can't change me from the inside out. That's where the best father comes out. 
That's where the best husband comes out. Friend, that's where the best pastor comes out. That's where the best friend comes out. That's where the best neighbor comes out. That's where the best worker comes out. It all comes from in here, inside. And God is the one, look at me, God is the one that shapes that. The best version of me is inadequate if God is not number one. If God is not number one. So let me say this. When your kids come before your spouse, your marriage, is, your marriage is built on the wrong priorities. One of the biggest favors you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. And one of the biggest favors you can do for your spouse is to love your God. The power of priority. God is your one. Your spouse is your number two. If you want to love your kids, invest in your marriage. Men, how many of you feel like you need to protect your family? Raise your hand, men, if you feel like your job is to protect your family. Come on, raise your hand all across this room, men. That is the nature of our lives, right? You're supposed to protect your household. I lost my dad young, and I had my mom tell me many times, you're the man of the house. That's a lot of pressure. So I lost him at seven. But I heard at eight, nine, and ten, you're the man of the house. So you know what happens? I start to realize my role. And then sometimes I forget that I can't control everything. Friend, there'll come a time in your life where you realize you can't control everything if you haven't figured it out already. You need God to be your source. And if you know that you're there to protect, why wouldn't you give God your best so that's the best you can come out to protect your family? The best, the best you is not the one that knows self-defense, and that's great. Because trust me, if you come in my house unannounced, unwelcome, uninvited, in the middle of the night, you will find some things. You will find, more than likely, something that could be buried in your skull at some point. If you come and you threaten my family, I have this natural instinct, and it's built in us, right? To protect. My wife laughs because there are certain instruments throughout the house in secret locations that only I know. Because if somebody breaks in, they're going to know me quickly. Because it's in us, right? Your role is to protect. Can I tell you something? Protect them in, a, in, in more than one way. Protect your kids from marrying the wrong person. Protect your spouse from having to lie about you at the company dinner. How's everything? Oh, yeah, we're great. We're fine. We're fantastic. Live in such a way that no one has to lie about you. Live in such a way that no one has to lie about you. Andy Stanley puts it like this, become the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person you are looking for is looking for. In other words, we always want to find that person. Here's my list of what I think is the best person. I got a list of, of, of what people should, the person that I want to marry. This is all the things that they should be. Well, how many of those are you? Because we have a great criteria for everybody else, right? Become the person you're looking for is looking for. 
So now that list has become not my list, but their list. And how do you match up? You know how that, the only way that could happen is if you're honest with yourself and you, and you decide to be full of integrity and honesty and character. Can I tell you something? Ephesians tells us, husband, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. We don't know how to love our wives sometimes because we don't love the church. We don't know how to love our spouse because we don't know what it's like to love God and we don't know what that looks like. As Christ loved the church, that's a big deal. How many agree that that's a big deal? For us to love our spouse as Christ loved the church, that's a big order. So maybe you remember a time where you said to yourself, you were in a current relationship when you were, when you were dating. You said you, you were in a relationship and you said, this person is so spontaneous. I love them. <laughs> They're so spontaneous and thrilling. Later, they are so spontaneous. I can't control them. Right? They're out of control. I don't know what they're going to do next. Or, or, maybe, or maybe something like this. Well, that person, they're so laid back. I love that about them. They're so calm. Stuff happens and they're like, it's all right. We're going to work this out. I love that about them. They're so fantastic. And then later you're like, I can't stand them. They're so laid back. No passion. No zeal. They're like, I like married to Eeyore. I'll get to it. All right. One day. Man, she is fantastic. She's so organized and detailed. That's what I need in my life. Ten years later, she's driving me crazy. She's so organized. Just step away from her. I need a minute. An unorganized minute. Why are you yelling, Pastor Tony? Come on, am I talking to somebody? Why? Because what you once idolized, you now demonize because your priorities are mixed up. What you once idolized, you now demonize. Because they were so, now they're so. But they were so, now they're so. I don't know how to take care of this. Because what I once idolized, now I demonized. They never asked for that. You did. You did. You saw it. You want it. You took it. And now you got to process it. Listen. Opposites attract, if you know anything about my wife and I. Country mouse, city mouse, for real. 
for real. You could possibly not find anyone more opposite than Alicia and I. On so many levels, you have no idea. But our convictions are in line. We may tackle it totally differently, but our convictions are in line. And I thank God for that woman that God has given me. But here's the danger. When you say that person completes you, that's when they become number one. Listen, my wife is a wonderful compliment, but not my completion. Let your number two be your compliment and let your number one be your completion. Come on, somebody. Is that worth holding on to right there? Is that tweetable? Is that a tweetable moment? Yeah. No, it's a life-changing idea. Think about it. The biggest problem we have is that we allow our number two to complete us. You complete me. Let them compliment you but not complete you. Christ is the only one that brings completion. He's the missing piece of your life. Does that make sense? What you idolize, you will later demonize if your priorities are not right. So here's one point. I have one point in this message today. Are you ready? So here's the vow. Every week we're going to have a vow statement. So this is a three-week series, and there's three vows that we're going to take. And, and I hope you'd adopt into your life. And here's today's vow. Are you ready? Vow number one this week. And here's a thought. I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. I want you to say that with me. If you believe it, if you confess that, if you want to with me, say it now. Ready? I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. You're saying, Pastor Tony, but I don't have a spouse yet. That's okay. Rehearse that now. Save yourself a lot of pain. Save yourself some pain. And those that have know what I'm talking about, say amen. That's why it's said in Genesis, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and two become one flesh. The word leaves the word leaves is the Hebrew word azab, which means to loosen or relinquish. In other words, I will relinquish my title with my family and cleave to the one that I'm starting now. I'll relinquish my authority, right? I will loosen or relinquish my authority with my family, and now my wife and I have new traditions to make. Friend, when your family is so involved in your marriage early, it's going to take a long time to shake that. When you decide to get married, realize there are some ties you need to begin to let go. Loosen, relinquish, relinquish out of your life so that you can create a, a destiny, a purpose, and a legacy that will then follow from years on and on. 
But you have to relinquish that. If you don't loosen that, then now I'm bringing everything that I experienced in my life into my current one. And I can't currently create new, new traditions and new things and move to that next level because I have so much stuff from my family. All right? You ever had a relative stay too long? Don't say their name or point. Right? You ever had someone stay way too long? You're like, so how's that thing working out? Any idea? Allow into your life. It's not easy to then disperse that and loosen that. Decide that in your life, I will relinquish my past, leave it there, and move forward to new priorities. Men, let me talk to you for a second. Make your priorities deliberate ones. Whatever it took to win her, it's going to take twice as much to keep her. Whatever it took to win her. So if you won her the wrong way, you're going to be in trouble soon. Because whatever it took to win her, it's going to take that and more to continue to keep her. So be honest with yourself and be honest with the person you're dating. Be honest and say, you know what? I want to make the right priorities here. Keep your right priorities. Women, if you are not a priority when you're dating, you will never be a priority when you're married. Period. I'm telling you that right now. If you're not a priority now, you will not be a priority later. Catch the warning signs. Catch the flags. Deal with it now. I promise God will be my number one and my spouse will be my number two. If you want to walk fulfilled in your life and the vow, I'm going to talk more about covenant versus contract next week. But priority is important. Where you put your spouse in this will matter. Where you put your God in this will matter. How many know what I'm talking about? Show of hands, how many know what I'm talking about? How many got one thing out of this message that you want to take home? I encourage you to write that one thing down. In the back of the bulletin we provided for you, we provided a space. Write the one thing that stands out to you right now. Just write it down. Something. And take that with you this week. And dissect that. And know that God is about restoring relationships as well as starting them off right. Did you know that God doesn't hate you have to have relationships. He wants you to have healthy relationships. He does. The problem is we have a tendency to, to burn the ships. We do. It's everything that, that has happened in our life, and there's some things you need to burn from your past. You just let it go. But there's other things you need to realize God has laid in your path. Here it is, priority. Who's your number one? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you have created us for a purpose. You've created us for a destiny. You've created us for more. I'm asking you, God, for every person at the sound of my voice right now. I'm asking you for every person that hears me, that they would not just hear me, but hear your voice. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, allow people to move from the place of contentment 
with where they are to a place of seeking your face. And Lord God, that's going to change how we see you and how we prioritize our lives. Father, we're asking you today for every relationship in this room, for every relationship listening to me right now, I'm asking you, God, help them to see where their priorities lie so they don't miss what you're doing. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And we ask you one thing, be number one. Be number one. And help me to be the best person I can be so I can be a better spouse, father, husband, coworker, or son or daughter. Whatever that looks like, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.